Easter weekend was a long time ago, not just last Sunday. How many of you feel like, whoa, that's like weeks ago? Yeah, what is with that? What is with that? I guess there was a lot that happened this week. Matthew chapter 28. I want to read the first eight verses. After the Sabbath that dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. I love that. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. And I love this last line. Can you just hear the angel say it? Now I have told you. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Father, I thank you again for what took place last weekend all over the world. I thank you again for all of those in bondage to tradition who walked into churches the one of two times a year and were impacted afresh by the truth of your demonstration of love. I thank you for the harvest of souls that took place around the world last weekend. And today we speak blessing and protection over them. Father, we declare that every one of them will find themselves in a good Bible-believing church. We declare that they will be discipled, they will raise up to maturity, and they will become laborers that bring in a harvest in these latter days with a zealousness of a new believer. And Father, as we take time to look in your word and as we see what the Holy Spirit captured for us to, to learn and to be changed by, I thank you again that as you opened up the minds of your disciples today, there will be an opening inside of our minds. I thank you again, Holy Spirit, that you are going to be saying things that I am not going to say. They're not coming out of my mouth, but people will hear it. Thank you for that. Thank you that you are teaching, that you are speaking, you are giving pictures, you are giving revelation, you are giving insight. And it's when we get revelation that there is transformation. I ask, Father, for a fresh anointing of your spirit. Would you take literal possession again? over my mind, over my mouth. I surrender myself to you. Just have your way. And with the authority you've given in the name of Jesus, I bind up every interfering demonic spirit. I bind up every demonic voice that would distract, and I command you to be silent, release every person, and be outside the walls of this building. I declare today good soil in every heart. And to you, Lord, we will give all the praise and glory because we ask it in the powerful name of Jesus and everybody said, amen. I want, to, um, I want to begin and lay a foundation this morning of where I'll be going today and next week. Um, as I mentioned a number of weeks ago, God laid in my heart to spend a few weeks talking about the whole journey. We, we spent some time looking at uh, Jesus and his authority on his way to the cross, the fact that nobody took his life, he laid it down, he took it up again. Last Sunday we talked about what Jesus did in hell, not being punished in hell, but victorious in hell, went to hell and uh, took back everything that the enemy received from Adam in the garden. How many of you were here last Sunday? Yeah. Um, 
where, where we're going the next few Sundays is, I'll tell you straight up, for the next two Sundays, we're talking about the 40 days that Jesus spent on earth after his resurrection. After that, we're going to be talking about the Great Commission. And I'd like you to begin praying about, uh, because when we get to the Great Commission, what we're going to be talking about is the fact that that applies to us as well. We have been called to reach our Jerusalem. And I want to tell you that in three weeks, I will be talking about and sharing with, and I'm going to have you give feedback about how you believe God is asking us to creatively begin moving out and touching our Jerusalem of Camrose. It's amazing how many churches can be in this city. Uh, there was a church not long ago celebrated a 100-year anniversary, a 100 years in Camrose, and the, and, and, and the city is more pagan today than it was when the church began. And I thought, really? You would think a church in a community would impact that community, and it shouldn't take 100 years. And I've thought about that as well. I've thought, okay, solid rock. We're in Camrose. God has called us to be in this city. What impact are we making in our community? How seriously are we taking the commission? Go and reach your Jerusalem and then beyond that. Now, I'll just tell you straight up. We've had a few people say, boy, you guys are really good at going to Africa, and you're good at going to Israel, and you're good at going to Fiji, and you're good at going to Saskatoon, and you're good at going to London, Ontario, and you're going to be good at going to Winnipeg. Uh, can we get good at going to Camrose? And so we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about Pentecost. We're going to get to the point where they waited, the spirit came down, and the disciples were changed. We're going to get into that. So for the next few weeks, guys, we're going to be lingering in this whole thing. But I need to uh, share with you something a little bit personal today before we begin, because um, in the last couple of months... Uh, Jane and myself, our children, we, we experienced something in our family that we've never, never experienced before. And it doesn't get closer to you than when it is your immediate family. Some of you are very aware that a couple of months ago, I think it was in February, that Jane's stepmom uh, passed away. And on, on the Saturday in Easter, we went up to Edmonton, and um, they had a memorial. There was no service. They just had people gathered together, and we uh, just had a time of visiting, and, and that's, that's all you know, her sons wanted. What you probably don't know is the way that our grandma, we call her grandma, the way that grandma died uh, was an assisted medical death. We've never experienced that as a family. We've done some looking into it since that period of time. Last year in Alberta, there were over 100 people who chose the day, the time of their passing, chose to receive injection, go to sleep, chose to receive injection, and within a few minutes, be dead. I just want to say to you straight up, this has been happening in Europe for a long time. Uh, assisted suicide has been a name that's been going on. It's not called assisted suicide. It's called assisted medical death. So we've had to wrestle with this. But I, I want to I just tell you a little bit about it because uh, there are some things that we've had to, to work through. Grandma had cancer. Cancer was, was found in her uh, a number of years ago. She's struggled medically for her whole life. There are some issues that were there. They found out she had cancer. She went in. They had surgery. Um, she chose to receive chemo and radiation. For anybody who is in the know medically, you know the moment you open the door to chemo and radiation, 
that you begin something in your body that has devastating effects. For a period of time, they told her that the cancer had shrunk. I don't know that they ever said they got it all. But the cancer shrunk, and she had a short period of time where she was doing well. All of a sudden, symptoms began coming back, went in. They opened her up, found out she was full of cancer. Um, the chemo had exacerbated the, the mother cells and just spread through her entire body, and they closed her back up and gave her a time frame. There's not one of us in here who has not been touched by someone who has had cancer. And many of you in here have battled with cancer. Many of you have won that battle. Some of you did it through medical treatment. Some of you did it with alternative. Some of you were actually prayed for, and that cancer changed in your body and was no longer present. We, we, we've had all in here. It was very interesting in the journey we went through with Grandma because when they closed her back up again and she realized that her days were short, uh, she had some choices to make. One of her choices was they were living in Edmonton, Grandpa and Grandma in Edmonton. One of the choices they made is they decided for the last couple of months of her life to move to Cranbrook. One of her sons was there. Two grandchildren, little grandchildren were there. She said, I've only got a couple of months. She goes, I want to go down. I want to be close to family. I want to be with them at Christmas time. I want to have that time before I go. It's really beautiful the other day. Um, Janet is not here this morning, but on Wednesday, uh, we were just talking about good things God is doing, and she holds up her camera and goes, hey, got a new grandson, born last Wednesday, 11 o'clock. Well, the week before that, Janet came and said, hey, next Wednesday, would you pray for me, because I'm going to have a grandson born next Wednesday, 11 o'clock, and it's like, how do you know that? Okay, we live in a day again where people are choosing when a child is born, Right? Uh, it used to be a surprise for a lot of people, and for some it still is a surprise. They got their bag packed. Well, in this case, they knew exactly the day, time. I mean, there's reasons for cesarean sections. We all know that. We, 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 we kind of get familiar with that when it comes to birth, but when it happens to death, it's a little different. But Grandma chose knowing, and I'll say it really clearly, knowing that she didn't have the faith for healing. knowing that medically they told her there's not a thing we can do for you and we will get to a point where we can't even control your pain. Knowing that what was inside of her was destroying her, having to factor all those things in, she made a very difficult independent decision. I'm not going to talk to you about how Grandpa felt about it. I'm not going to talk to you about how her sons felt about it. I'm not going to talk to you about how her siblings and those who surrounded. The truth is, from her perspective, it's my body. It's my pain. It's my life. I need to make a decision because I can't live with this. Every one of us has opinions about it. We could talk all day about the moral, ethical issues, the spiritual issues. Some of you would stand up and go, I completely understand why she did what she did. Some of you would go, I am absolutely opposed. God determines the day of life. God determines the day of the end. 
everything in between. Nobody would be wrong because it's perspective, and we're sharing from our own background, our own experience, our own level of faith, okay? So we could talk all day about that. We're not going to. But what I want to share with you is, in those last couple of months of Grandma's life, she made some choices as to how she was going to spend her time and how she was going to spend that time with the people she wanted to spend that time with, those that she wanted to be surrounded by at the time of her passing. At Christmas time, her other son, who lives in Ottawa, they flew out, they have two children, they came down um, in incredible pain and in a bed, surrounded by grandchildren, surrounded by her two sons that she absolutely adored, had two weeks where the family knew that these were the last two weeks with Grandma, knew that when they flew home, only a few days after, the procedure would take place and she would no longer be here. How do you get your head around that? It's hard to, but they did. She goes, this is what I'm wanting. This is what I'm needing. You know, it's interesting. Um, most, most people don't. They, they don't have the clarity to choose their last days before they die. They, they don't. One of the number one killers in Canada right now is heart attack. Self-induced as a whole. People's habits, behavior, eating style. Um, the majority of people who die from a heart attack, they don't plan 40 days before going, I know it's happening on Thursday at 11. They don't plan their last 40 days. It hits them. Boom. Grandma had her days. She planned them. And at the end of that period of time, in the morning, they chose, went in. The procedure began. Grandpa was beside her. Her boys were beside her. She fell asleep. The second injection she was gone. I have thought about that a lot going through the Easter weekend. I've thought about the reality of sickness and the reality of death and the reality of how things happen in this world. And I, I thought about that a lot. And then the contrast was so great because what we celebrated is uh, someone who died, but then someone who came back to life. We're all familiar with death. We're, we're, we're not all very familiar with someone coming back from the dead. I got to tell you what you know. A um, number of years ago, uh, Emily, I'm so glad you're here today. A number of years ago on a Saturday evening, we received a phone call from Emily who said, my grandson, two-year-old in Calgary, fell into a pond in the afternoon, was inside the pond. For 15 minutes, they pulled him out. It took... 30 minutes after that to get to, for 45 minutes, he had no oxygen in his brain. Got him to the hospital. He was 100% brain dead. The only thing keeping him alive were the machines. He was dead. That Sunday morning, I don't think I'll ever forget that Sunday morning. We were at the CRE. We got together as a church. We, we began praying. Okay, and I, I want to tell you, uh, as a church, we weren't very familiar with praying for the dead to come back to life. Okay? I don't know how many of you are familiar with that. Just raise your hand. Okay, just look around you. I'm going to prophesy that we're going to get familiar. I don't believe one child coming back from the dead is the God going, well, I gave you, you know, a little, a little drop of a finger and that's all you're going to experience. No, I believe he used that to prepare our faith. I believe the healing room was part of that. I believe they're going to be carrying the dead in here before Jesus comes back. 
I believe that with all my heart. Now, let me just tell you straight up. For those of you who are around at that period of time, we were in the senior center before we moved to the CRE. And in the senior center one Sunday, um, God was just moving. And I, I declared and I said, I said, one day we're going to see the dead raised in this church. We had two families leave the church that Sunday. They go, that is absolutely ludicrous for you to say, Carl. You, are, you, you went a little over the deep end. They thought I was deep already. Okay? And can I just say, are you okay with people thinking you're a little off the deep end? I'm okay. I'm getting more okay with that. Because what I'm learning is a little more off the deep end is a little closer to where Jesus wants us to be. So I'd rather hang with him in the deep end than hang over here with all the naysayers, wouldn't you? That Sunday in church was, was a powerful time of worship, I remember. And we took time and we prayed. And we were praying for baby Daniel that time, praying for the family. He was in the hospital, Calgary Hospital. We were going down that afternoon with Emily. We were going down to see. We, we were praying up a storm the best we knew how. And in the midst of that, um, the Lord just had me speak out and say, I believe before that family goes back to Texas where they live that that little boy is going to be running across the stage and the parents are going to give testimony. To you as well, yeah. That said that on Sunday morning. Three weeks later, long story short, Daniel was running across the stage and his family, his parents were giving testimony because it was beautiful on the machine, that flat line was on that machine, flat line, flat line, flat line. Um, the parents phoned me after one day when we were there, and they, they came in, they did the test again. She phones, and she says, uh, Emily's daughter phones and says, they want to pull the machines off this afternoon. What do I do? I said, just say no. You're the parent. You have the opportunity to choose when that happens, when it doesn't happen. Just say no. I said, we're believing. I said, let's just give God a little more time. And the truth is, it wasn't about giving God time. God was giving us time to get some things in order, right? I will never forget getting the phone call, Emily, you won't either, of when all of a sudden that flatline machine went boop, boop. And brain activity began happening. And the statement was, he'll never talk. He'll never walk. He'll be a vegetable. He'll have no brain function. Yeah, we might, he might come back, but he's going to be in a home his entire life, and you know, you're going to be going to visit him, and there'll be nothing there. Well, all of a sudden, when he woke up, and all of a sudden, when he began talking, and all of a sudden, when he started crawling, and all of a sudden, I got a picture in my office of him riding a bike, and all of a sudden, when he got up, and all of a sudden, it, it's no wonder the hospital called it a miracle, and it's no wonder Miracle Channel came and did a program on him, because can I tell you, the resurrection, somebody coming back to life, does something to people. The death process is hard and we're used to it, but the other side of it does something inside of people. Now, I'll tell you straight up when it came to Daniel. <laughs> this is so funny. Do you remember when Jesus rose from the dead? Um, we're going to look at this next week, but, but I love that where, where the chief priest, basically all the pastors got together and decided to pay the soldiers to say someone stole the body and, and they took it during the night. All the pastors paid the soldiers. And the Bible says that the soldiers took it, they went out, they spread the report that 
they fell asleep, somebody stole the body, and that's how come the body's not there, and the Bible says, and they're still telling that story today. Can I tell you, there are stories that rise up when, when the, the impossible happens. Can I tell you one with Daniel? The, the moment he came back to life and things began happening, there were people, including family members, who said, well, obviously, he wasn't as sick as they said he was. Okay? That's what they said. Now, here's the funny thing. When you look at the brain scan and it's absolutely flat dead, that's not sick, guys. That's dead. So I felt like going to them and say, obviously, he wasn't as dead as what they said dead was. That's how retarded that statement was. But it's phenomenally amazing, all of those things that came out that helped people justify, well, his condition couldn't have been his worst. Or, uh, this is the other one, I really loved it, where they went, well, it's very obvious the doctors misdiagnosed him. Yep. <laughs> stupid doctors, right? No, I'll tell you, doctors aren't stupid. They may not have all the knowledge in the world, but I, I'll praise God for doctors. Doctors have been used by God to save our lives in emergencies, the whole deal. Pray for your doctor, don't curse them. But I don't say doctors don't know everything. But to blame the doctor, the doctor misdiagnosed a dead boy? There are people, and I want to tell you straight up, there are people to this day that still don't believe the miracle that he was dead and came back. They still don't believe it. He's 13, 14, brilliant kid normal kid. They still don't believe the story. They don't believe it. Can I tell you? Uh, it, it's interesting. In that 40-day period of time, Jesus had a couple jobs to do. One of them was his disciples, even when he stood in front of them, the Bible says they didn't believe him. They didn't believe he was back from the dead. Can I just say this to you really clearly? Some of us aren't totally convinced of the resurrection because it hasn't changed our lives. And we're going to talk about that. We know it, it's in the book, but we don't believe it. Because can I tell you what would happen if you actually believed in the resurrection? In John chapter 11, and I find this fascinating, it was before Jesus went to the cross and before he died. Jesus raised how many people from the dead when, when he was on earth? How many people? Remember? Okay, you got homework this week, I'm not telling you. But one of the most notable ones is when he was off somewhere else, some came to him and said, your, your, your friend Lazarus is dying. We know the story. I love Jesus. He goes, okay, boys, let's hang out for another two days. Let's make sure he's dead. Waited two days, had to travel back to where Lazarus was. When he got there, he'd already been four days dead. Remember, we've talked about the four-day stink, right? In our minds, it's easier to raise someone a fresh dead, Right? It's a little tougher to raise a four-day stink dead. We know the stories in Africa where every Friday night they had a meeting. When, when we were in seminary, we had a guy from Africa came. They told him that Canada is where God's moving spiritual revival. He comes and he goes, this country's dead. Why'd they send me here? He said, back home every Friday evening, we had prayer meetings, and people would hang on to their dead. After they died late Friday night, Saturday, they'd hang on to them all week long, okay, in the Africa heat, and they'd bring them on Friday, and they'd be prayed for, and they'd come back to life again. He said, that, that's just regularly what happens. And he came to Canada looking for more than that. We tried to help him find it, but we, we couldn't find it. Canada wasn't there. We're going to talk about 
the, the power of God, isn't it interesting, again, that when Jesus died, the moment he died at the 11th hour, that violent earthquake happened, tombs opened up, and a pile of saints came out of the grave. Okay, those aren't fresh dead. Those aren't four-day dead. Okay, some of those saints may have been in there for a couple hundred years. How do we get our head around that? Can you imagine someone walking in the church and going, hey, they say your name and say, hey, I heard you guys believe in the resurrection. We go, yeah. Well, we embalmed grandma, and we'd like you to come pray because we believe God wants her back, and we go, well, how long has she been dead? You go, 39 years. How many of you would go, no problem, let's go? With God, date has nothing to do with it. Now, if someone said, if they walked in and go, hey, I got a fresh dead child at home, fresh dead. Woke up, they died this morning, crib death. Would you come and pray? There's a lot of us that go, oh, you better get someone else. I understand that. But some of us would go, hey, fresh dead, no problem, let's go. But when you get it inside your head that for God, fresh dead and 300-year dead, it, it's no different. It's no different. If we can get his head in our head, we'll be doing good. It's called the mind of Christ, right? But here's the amazing thing. When Jesus stood in the disciples' presence, the Bible says they did not believe. Now, here is probably one of the most underquoted statements that I love in Scripture, where Jesus looks at Thomas. We're going to look at it. He goes, you believe because you've seen? What is his statement? Blessed, blessed, blessed are those who believe and have not seen. We're in that category, guys. We're in the category of the blessed. When we hear the stories, when we hear the report, we haven't seen it, and yet faith comes by hearing. We hear it. We believe it. And we make life decision, life-changing decisions as a result of what we believe, even though we haven't seen it. Now, let's be honest. There's some of us in here going, until I see it, I'm not going to believe it. Some of you are still going with Daniel. You know what? Yeah, the story, great story, call, great story. Yeah, some of us are the point where we still need to see it. Well, praise God, he allows us to see things because seeing does help believe, but crossing over to the point where it's like all you need to do is hear it from the highest authority of God, and the moment you hear it, I'm taking it to the bank. I don't have to see it. When my daddy says it, that little child who has a great relationship with dad, dad walks in and goes, next week, son, I'm getting you a bike, a red one. Does that child have to see the bike to know that bike is coming? If there is a relationship and dad has earned that trust, the moment dad speaks that word, that kid goes, I got a bike! The father's going, that's where I want to get my kids. Blessed are those who hear and believe. But that 40-day period of time, I want to tell you, first of all, uh, who, who made the decision for Jesus to stay 40 days on earth after his resurrection? Who made the decision? Who made the decision? Jesus said, I don't say a single word without first hearing it from my father. He goes, I don't do a single thing without first hearing it from my father. Can I tell you, first of all, it was the father's decision that after his resurrection, after he walked out of that tomb, that he hang on earth for 40 days. Now, we're not even going to get into, some of you who are a little more interested, 
I challenge you this week to go into Bible and find all the 40-day things. Why'd the flood rain 40 days? Why were the Israelites in wilderness 40 years? Why did Christ remain 40 days after his resurrection? Why did he go into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy at the end 40 days? Why, why, was, why was he in there 40 days? Do a, do a study on 40 days, guys. I challenge you. It, it'll, it'll change you. But in that 40-day period of time, the Father said, Jesus, I need you to stay on earth because there's some things you have to do. There's some things you need to release. There's some things you need to say. There's some things you need to accomplish in order for the eternal end result to be done. You've got to hang out for 40 days. Next week, we're going to look at what those 40 days is. But I, I, I want to just say this to you. In the book of Acts, chapter 1, beginning of verse 3, it talks about the fact that uh, Jesus died, rose again from the dead, showed himself to the disciples, and then it says um, he showed himself to more than 500 people in one gathering, more than 500. Can I tell you the resurrection is one of the, for those of you who've seen the Lee Strobel movie, uh, the resurrection is one of the most historically recorded events, secular and biblical. Uh, the resurrection is a historical fact. Even pagans recorded it. Jesus didn't rise from the dead and kind of slink around in the church and do the whole deal. No, no, Jesus, in that 40-day period of time, made his presence known so that even the secular world was totally convinced that this dead guy came back. Now, can I just say this really quickly? When, when Lazarus died, he was sick, right? But can I ask you this? How shredded was Lazarus' body? How torn apart? How broken? How brutalized? How whatever? How... how, how Okay, we know it wasn't. We know he got sick, he died, he went into the tomb four days later, Jesus called him out, he walks out, and here he is alive again. He died later. He died later. So, let me tell you, I'll tell you right away the impact of that one, but I, I want you to get this inside of you. All of Jesus' disciples saw that Jesus was literally mutilated, literally torn apart, literally destroyed, literally. Okay, we talked about literally. So the concept of that literal destroyed body standing in front of them completely whole jarred their belief system a little. No wonder they went, I don't believe it. He's standing here, and I don't believe it. I'm looking at him, and I don't believe it. I'm touching him, and I don't believe it. And I want you to hear something really crazy. All the way to the end of that 40 days, when, when the disciples were with him, and here he is telling them the Great Commission, and all of a sudden, he's lifting off the ground. He's lifting off the ground, and he's going up into the sky. He's lifting. And the Bible says, and, and some of them still doubted. What? That's like the Israelites coming out of Egypt, watching all the ten plagues, watching the Red Sea split, and still doubting that there is a God. Can I tell you? There, there were those who doubted. Let me just say this to you. There are people out there, and I remember when David Meese wrote the song, he goes, he goes there's going to be people who see the, the, the sick healed, the, delivered, the, the possessed delivered, the dead raised, and they still won't believe. It's a crazy thought. But I just want to tell you really quickly. Dean, I'll get to you in a second. I'm going to tell you really quickly. When Lazarus came out of that grave, do you know the impact of that resurrection? The impact of that resurrection, when Lazarus came out of that grave, there was a whole pile of Jews that had come out of Jerusalem. They went over to where Mary and Martha lived. The Bible says that as a result of him walking out of that grave, they know he was dead. They know he was stinking. They know the story. They were there grieving. They got the seven-day grieving. When he walked out of that grave, the Bible says 
that many of the Jews who came out there to grieve, they began believing and put their faith in Jesus. Then I want you to hear, six days before Jesus died, six days before the Passover, Jesus went back to Lazarus' house. They had a feast to celebrate Jesus. Lazarus was alive and they had the meal there. The Bible says a pile of Jews came out there because they heard Jesus was there, but they also came to see Lazarus. And a whole pile more put their faith, it says they put their faith in Jesus to the point where the chief priest said, we got to get rid of Jesus, but we also have to kill Lazarus. We have to kill him. They were looking for an assassin for Jesus and an assassin for Lazarus because Lazarus' resurrection and Jesus doing it created such a stir among the Jewish people, they were losing them to the Jesus camp. Well, when you start losing people, what's the best way to keep them? Kill the leader. And I'm astounded when I look in Scripture and it says, they began making plans to murder Lazarus. Can I tell you, a resurrection will mess with your faith? And it should. Because our entire eternity and our entire life depends on what we believe about the resurrection. You know what Paul said? He said, if we don't believe the dead are raised, he said, we, we are stupid fools. That's what he said. He says, we, as Christians, if we don't believe that, he says, we are fools. Because he goes, that's the foundation of everything we believe. I just want to say this in closing today. I like it when Kenneth Copeland when he talks and he says, now, I don't see this in scripture, so I really can't prove it to you. He goes, but you can't prove that it didn't happen. You hear that? You can't prove that it didn't happen. I don't see this in scripture. What I'm going to tell you, I don't see it in scripture, but the reality is I don't think you can tell me that it didn't happen. I, I just want to say this, and as the Lord and I were, were just talking about this, um, the Lord just began dropping, and, and I asked the question. It was like, okay, you know, during that 40 days, who did Jesus go see? I think he visited some key people. I don't know who was in the crowd of 500. I do know that he visited the 12. We're going to talk about that. The two, we're going to talk about that. Women. Can, can I just say that? I believe that the one who hung on the cross, ripped apart physically, and being prepared for all the sin to put on him, looking down and saying, Mom, there's your son. John, there's your mom. I believe the one who, I believe after his resurrection, I believe he went to visit mom. I believe that. I believe any good boy who goes away on a journey, when he comes back from that journey, one of the first places he goes, he goes to see the mother he's endeared to. Now, I can't prove it. I can't prove it to you, but you can't prove it didn't happen. I believe the character of Jesus is in that 40-day period of time, he went to visit mom. And can you imagine... Can you imagine that meeting when he walks in the door and mom sees her boy standing there? She was at the cross when he was hanging. She was at the cross when they beat him. She, she saw it all, and here he is standing there. Do you, do you think she believed in her boy? Do you think some of what Gabriel told her when she first got conceived came back again and go, okay, what he's going to go through is going to tear your heart apart, but there's going to be glory in the end? Do you think she's going, it was worth it all? I think he went to visit mom. 
And I think that mom went, I love my boy. You go, boy. Doesn't say it, but can I, can I say? I, I think after his resurrection, I think he went to visit Lazarus. I think he said, Lazzy, let's go for coffee because now I can relate to you. I've been dead too. I'm back. How many people can you sit with and go, hey, you and I have both been there? Okay, if you've been to Ireland and I haven't, I can't relate to you. But when I go to Ireland, I'm coming back and I say, hey, let's get together. I saw a pile of places you did. Let's talk. I, I believe Jesus went to visit Lazarus. Two dead boys back having coffee together. Isn't that beautiful? They made plans to murder both of us. Well, I let them kill me, but Lazarus, they ain't touching you. I saw to it. Can I just give you one more really quick? I don't know why. I don't understand this. I don't know why. The Bible says that when Jesus died, the earthquake happened, the tombs were open, saints came out of the grave, he died. He died that day, but then it says those saints didn't go into Jerusalem until after Jesus' resurrection. So I got a question. I go, where did you hang out for three days? Where did all you dead saints that came back to life, where did you hang out for three days? Because at the end of that three days, you went into Jerusalem. Can I, can I just say this to you? I believe that during that 40-day period of time, Jesus had some conversation with some dead saints that came back to life again. Now, you can't, I can't find it in Scripture, but you can't, you can't prove that that's not right. I believe, I believe if they came to life on his death, when he came to life, there was an agenda. I believe he talked to some of those saints. Can I give you just a couple? I, I, believe, I believe one of those saints was his dad. His dad was dead before he died, right? No, no mention of his dad. His mom was there. His mom went to the cross, the whole deal. His dad had died. I be, can you imagine Jesus after his resurrection... And Joseph came back to life. And here's Jesus and Joseph having a conversation after the resurrection. Can you imagine that for a moment? I believe he went to see mom. And I believe he had a conversation with dad. Because I believe that's just the heart of the father. He loves families. And when he gets hold of a child, the child loves the parent. That's just what you do. I also believe, the Lord showed me this a long time ago. I also believe, do you remember when he was eight days of age, went into the temple and Simeon shows up? The word of the Lord came to Simeon, you will not die. He was an old dude. You will not die until you see the salvation. All of a sudden he walks in, Simeon comes in, sees the baby, not a single word spoken. He goes, beam me up, God. I've seen him. I've seen the salvation. And he prophesies over him. I believe Simeon died shortly after. So did Anna. Anna was an old lady. I believe they both died in that 33 and a half year period of time. I believe both of them came back to life from the dead. I believe they went back in Jerusalem. Can you imagine just for a moment? Can you imagine again? A, a whole pile of dead people going back into Jerusalem. Do you imagine the shakeup in the city? Can you imagine the cemetery in Camrose just outside? Can you imagine that place breaking open and all those people coming back and walking back into Camrose now? Can you imagine the shakeup? I believe, I believe those dead people coming in after the resurrection, I believe the timing was perfect because when people saw all the dead saints coming in, it planted inside of them a foundation to believe that Jesus could actually come back. If those dead people can come back, I can believe in the resurrection of Jesus. I believe it was a stepping stone.
We're going to talk about all that. 40 days. For 40 days, the Father said, Jesus, I need you to hang out on earth. There's some things I need you to do because I can't, I can't have you leave and the church isn't ready to go until you do these things. We're going to talk about those things because we still need to know them. Your homework, 40 days, 40 years. Dean. It's a great question. Dean asked the question and said, during that period of time, when he came back to life and then when he went to Thomas and said, Thomas, uh, have a look. See the holes in my hands where the wrists, see the, see the hole in my side. And Thomas, you know, we knew the whole deal. So he's asking, did those stay there just for the Thomas part or are they still there? Um, what, what's, what's your thought? Should we vote? I'll tell you what I believe. I believe with all my heart when we get to heaven and we see Jesus, I believe we're going to look. They're still there. I believe they're still there. And I believe that any person who gets to heaven and still has an element of doubt on them, because let's be honest, I mean, there's going to be areas where we're still doubting when we get to heaven. You can have faith and still doubt. I think we're going to get to heaven and all that doubt's going to erase pretty quickly. What do you think? I think so. It's a great question, Dean. Any other questions before we end? Anything else? Would you bow with me? Father, it is a... Um, it's an impossible thing for us to believe apart from you. All of the things that you are asking us to believe... It's impossible for us to believe in a resurrection from someone who has been literally torn, shredded, the whole deal. Apart from faith, we wouldn't believe it. But I want to say thank you today that you have deposited inside of us a faith to believe. We haven't seen it, but we believe it. Thank you for making us a blessed people. And Father, I thank you that you have given us your word, and as we read that word, as we meditate, I thank you that you are transforming us, you are showing us things, you are increasing our faith, you are bringing us to new places. And I prophetically declare that over every one of us as we journey through your word in these next number of weeks. God, for those who go in and begin the 40-day search, the 40-year search, I pray that you would just give such revelation, such inspiration, such excitement about what that's all about. Would you cause your word to come alive in all of us? Make your logos word come alive and make us sensitive to the rhema word that is being spoken to us by you. Thank you for the resurrection of your son. Thank you for the 40 days that he was obedient on earth. Thank you that he left so the Holy Spirit could come and indwell us. Thank you for where we are today. And thank you for where we're going to be tomorrow.
I declare over you today what you already know. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and fill you full of his peace. I declare that with boldness in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, Amen.